Welcome to the Now You Know Akron podcast, brought to you by the journalists of BeaconJournal.com. Each week, they will share their expertise on Akron and Summit County. Now, here's your host, Craig Webb. Thanks for joining us for the Now You Know Akron podcast. I'm your host, Craig Webb. In today's podcast, we'll be joined by retired Lieutenant Colonel Bernard Kempter, who made national headlines when his mic was turned off during his Memorial Day speech in Hudson. Organizers were upset that he was discussing the role black people had in the nation's first observance. Joining us in the discussion will be Beacon Journal reporter Bill Karen, who first broke the news. Listeners are advised that this interview includes the use of a racial slur that is used to illustrate the historic racism in the United States military. It provides important context to the issues that are being discussed. But first... Here's three things you should know from recent headlines from BeaconJournal.com. Summit County plans to use some of its $104 million settlement from a federal opiate trial two years ago to help fund addiction and recovery services. The Summa Foundation, along with the Cleveland Clinic Foundation, will receive $1 million each. The Akron Community Foundation will also receive money to start an opiate small grant program. In the latest in their series of unsolved crimes, Reporter Stephanie Warsmith, along with Beacon Journal alumnus Paula Slice, took a look at who killed Clemens. This was the story of an Akron man who was working at Church's Chicken on Copley Road in January 1991 and was killed. The case remains unsolved as police continue to work to find out who killed Roderick Clemens. You pass by them every day and you probably don't notice them. But Stowe is trying to make something a little bit more beautiful that's pretty common along our roads. The city has partnered with some artists in the community to cover their electrical boxes with original artwork. BeaconJournal.com and all of our apps always feature updated headlines and subscriber-exclusive content you can't find anywhere else. And now for our spotlight story, we're joined by retired U.S. Army Colonel Barney Kempter and reporter Phil Karen. Barney made headlines here nationally over the Memorial Day weekend when his microphone was turned off in the midst of a speech in Hudson, where he was talking about the origins of the holiday on Memorial Day and the role that freed slaves played in the first observance. Phil, I might add, was the first report on this incident that soon spread over social media and was picked up by other media outlets across the globe. So welcome. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Barney, and I, I guess it's kind of informal, but I guess you, you like to go by Barney. I, I'm kind of reminded of another speech by, by another uh, young patriot by the name of Abraham Lincoln, who I think delivered a, a small little speech in Gettysburg when he said, the, the world will little note nor long remember what we say here. And, and I'm sure you never expected the words that you uttered into a silent mic that were silent but yet heard everywhere, right? Well, that is absolutely correct. Uh, had the microphone been left on, 300 people at the cemetery would have heard the message about the origin of Memorial Day. By muting me for two minutes, millions have learned the history. It was it was almost like a supreme being intended that message to get out. I guess that supreme being might have been Phil, who, uh, you know, Hutchins is kind of a small town, and, and Phil, you, you cover, you know, with the northern um, town in, in Summit County, and, and it it kind of is a little bit of Americana there, right, Phil, in that, that community? Yes, that's true, Craig. definitely is. It's, it's As you know, it's an affluent place, a well-educated community, uh, about 
I think about 22,000 people live there. And uh, I know the American Legion has been a, a strong organization there throughout the city's history. So, yeah, it is uh, Americana is probably a good way to describe it. I agree. A piece of that. Well, let me shatter the stereotyped image. In the 1950s and 1960s, when I grew up in the community, it was kept a white community by the real estate agents who would refuse to show property to people of color or fear they might have a yarmulke in the glove compartment of their car. After the civil rights movement came through and made it mandatory, we could not discriminate, Real estate agents had a most interesting way of keeping the community white, and they would drive around showing properties to people of color. And if there's a for sale sign in front of the property, uh, he would they would oftentimes quote a higher price than what it was really listed for. In this case, back in the 50s and 60s, you were looking at properties that were typically low hundred thousands up to maybe 200000 for a really uh, large estate. But they would inflate this thirty to $40,000 in describing the property and discouraging people from moving to Hudson. Hate to shower you, but that's what it was back then. So I, I guess I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I did you know that you were maybe kicking a proverbial hornet's nest when you started in your speech, or, or were you just... Innocently uh, bringing up history. I mean, it was 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 a little bit of a I don't want to say intent sound like a strong word uh, on your part. No, there was no intent to stir anything up, Craig. My intention was, and let me put it this way: if I asked all of you people, tell me about why do we celebrate the Fourth of July, and your answer would be mattress sales. That's probably wrong, right? <laughs> That's close. Yes. All right. I don't know. Why do we celebrate the 4th of July? Well, Barney, I think we celebrate it to mark the the colonists uh, declaring their independence from uh, British rule. That's, exactly. Right. Yes, we declared our independence. We did not gain our independence until 1783, right. but that's right. when we start the movement. So we're at a holiday, a federal holiday. And no one has ever addressed the origin of it. Uh, if one were to peruse Wikipedia, there would be a big, long thing about the general Grand Army of the Republic and starting, and then Congress declaring Waterloo, New York, as being the official start of Memorial Day. However, in the 1990s, it came to light from some obscure man- uh, manuscripts and research but lo and behold, the first celebration of Memorial Day was actually one month after the war had ended. And I went on to explain the origin of it and the involvement of the African-American community who took it upon themselves to go to an open-air prison camp that had previously been a private racetrack and exhume 257 bodies from a mass grave and then put their remains in individual graves and can conduct a service for these people for a proper burial. Now, if you can imagine 257 remains in a mass grave, at that point there was no embalming. These 
remains would have been a deteriorated condition. And uh, if you have ever experienced uh, rotting flesh uh, on a chicken or, or something like that, these people subjected themselves to tremendous risk from diseases for a two-week period. And it is utterly amazing this piece of history has been kept hidden for the last 25 years. I just wanted to bring it to light and informative as, hey, here is what it started at. Didn't intend to be a controversy, never intended to have it go viral and go worldwide. Barney, how, how did you find out about that piece of history? I did some research on the Internet. Thanks to Al Gore, I was able to search his Internet and find some history about the original start of it. That and some illustrations of historical markers put up in Charleston, South Carolina, specifying and illustrating that this indeed was the start of it. And I know that um, historian, you referenced him, the historian David Blight. Uh, head yes, on, I did. Right. And I see I, I did a little research last night. And I found he had written about that in a book called Race and Reunion. Correct. Uh, I noticed, too, the book has been out for 20 years, but it seems like the story you were sharing is still not particularly well known in our country. Any thoughts on no, why it is? Why it's still it not is. very well known? Well, as one black reporter on her her uh, podcast said, this information has been whitewashed for the last 25 years. So it's a part of American history. It's black history, but it is American history. And I wanted just to inform the people of the history. And I recall you told me when I when we first spoke a few weeks ago that you said you had a lot of people approach you at the ceremony afterward uh, who thanked you for it and said they had learned something from your speech. That, that's correct. Most of them said basically, quote, I didn't know that, unquote. Right. I, I And I would echo that. I did not know that either until and I it has um, actually covering this story has uh, prompted me to read more about that. And it's it's been very interesting to read it. Even the historian, Mr. Blight himself, had mentioned that. Um, he thought it was particularly powerful that, as far as we can tell, this is the first uh, such Memorial Day type of ceremony on record. And he thought it was quite powerful that, you know, you essentially had freed slaves providing a proper burial to the a couple hundred Union soldiers. Well, ab- absolutely. Uh, and, and again, the, the, uh, the whole point of my speech was information on it. And then reminding that uh, at three o'clock, a minute of silence for memory, and I named those people from Hudson uh, who should be remembered. And basically, this goes back to what's called Vietnam era, because I had uh, I had eight of my classmates over the years uh, not come back. So, in your own military career, I mean, I, if you want to briefly tell us, like, where you served and, and, and how long, and and you know what, what unit you were in. Well, my uh, my service started because of, let's call it, uh, reverse discrimination. Uh, you remember in the 60s, we had uh, quotas placed on hiring for government jobs. I had scored a 99 out of 100 on a civil service test. 
but was never offered a job because they went positions to minorities based on quota hiring. So for a young man, best choice was go in the military. So on April Fool's Day, I enlisted uh, in the military, in the Army, and on July 4th, 1995, they kicked me out after 29 years, 29 and a half years. Well, that included enlisted time as a, as a combat medic. Uh, I went to infantry OCS, got commissioned, served multiple things, platoon level, company level, battalion level, and finally terminated my service as chief of the engineers for the Army Reserve Command in Ohio, where I was responsible for all military new construction for the Army Reserve in Ohio. And Twinsburg was my last project, the Reserve Center in Twinsburg. So I, I think being in the military, you know, you kind of follow rules, right? I mean, I, so, so I guess I'm kind of coming around to, you know, this coming back to the speech. I mean, it, you know, I mean, I guess you didn't think you were not following rules, but I mean, I, I, I guess, you know, you, most military people aren't, aren't ones to rock the boat. You know, and it seems like you, you ended up rocking the boat quite a bit. Well, here's, here's the thing regarding the speech. I had sent a courtesy copy up. I received an email back saying they wanted it changed, or she wanted it changed. And I sent an email up saying, here is the copy of the speech, underline what you don't like. And I got an email back saying, all right, I have highlighted in yellow what I want changed. Well, working in a Word document, if you highlight something, you better change, you better save the file before you send it back if you want changes to appear. The file I got back apparently had not been saved and had absolutely no indication of anything being highlighted. So short time frame, I figured I have worked on this thing for several months. I don't have time to rewrite a new speech. And dinner with a member from the Board of Education the night before who reviewed it, saw nothing wrong with it, racist, uh, indicting or anything based on that racial incidents they had at Hudson High School. And he said, go for it. It's great. Read it as is. And that's what I did. I went out and read what I had put together and attempted to educate the residents at the uh, park, at the uh, cemetery. Barney, was this the first time, you know, I, I know you've given other speeches before. Was this the first time you talked about this story of the origins of Memorial Day in a, in a public speech? Yes, absolutely. I figured if I'm speaking public and everybody knows Fourth of July, Labor Day, uh, Christmas, New Year's, Groundhog's Day, here's an opportunity to inform people as to why we celebrate Memorial Day. Do you have any regrets? I mean, if you had a the time machine, we all have our, our you know, un, unfortunate clothing choices and other things in our lives that we could go back. I mean, would you still give the speech, knowing what you know now? I would still give the speech, but I would require a royalty from the Hudson Community Television Channel uh, based on the number of viewings, which is now over three million. Everyone has fame and fortune. I've had the fame, but I missed the fortune. They'll, they'll pay you in Bitcoin or, or whatever uh, the currency is. So I, 
I, I guess I'm just curious. Are you angry or, or do you kind of feel bad with, with, you know, and, and fill in some of our listeners that, that there was some fallout from this and, and some folks have resigned and, and there was some reckoning on the state and national level of uh, the American right. League. And, and I think as of the recording of this, I think if Phil maybe correct me that, that we're still a little bit limbo with the status of that particular chapter in Hudson. I mean, do you, do you feel bad that that happened or, or is it kind of, you know, <laughs> they did it. So I guess it, it happened. I, well, I, I feel sad that it has happened because of the role and the length of the American Legion in Hudson. I go back to 1965, 66 era when I actually carried the nation's colors, led the parade on Memorial Day. So I have an affiliation back to that particular American Legion. But overall, and I have to say, this has been a most humbling experience for me because of the outpouring of letters and mail that I've received. All of them favorable? Uh, most favorable. Uh, if you'll permit me, let me let me just grab one or two here. Yeah, a Catherine Moore. Dear Colonel Kempter, you are a hero to me. With admiration and gratitude, Catherine Moore. That was one. Uh, another one uh, uh, from a woman whose father uh, did the Memorial Day services in one of the areas here, uh, telling me that I am a I am her hero, and thanks me for my speech. I've even, I even heard uh, a councilman in Wayne, Michigan, expressing his admiration and knowledge and uh, thanking him for thanking me for letting him know the whole history behind it. And as, as I say, this should serve as a catalyst for many people, I think, who, who had stories to tell that had been suppressed. Uh, and they wanted to, let's say, get it off their chest, if that's any idea. If I might, I have one that doesn't have a date. It's on notebook paper. It says, Dear Colonel, I don't know how to say this all fancy, so I'll just say it in plain English. You have made me proud to be an American. My daddy served aboard the USS Lexington sank in May 1952. He was the radio man. He told me a teaching story once. In those days, and I guess now, there were different cliques of guys on the ship. With all the damage, the fellows in the engine room were trapped. I collapsed the breed. And they were in contact with my dad by the intercom. They were leaving last messages to their wives and sweethearts through him. The ship was ready to explode some more and the order had been given to abandon her. My dad was given a message. Some volunteers were going down through the air shafts in an attempt to rescue them. A lot of hooping and hollering. The guys in the engine room were all from the south. My dad was asked, Joe, who was coming to get us? My dad replied it was some of the cooks who volunteered. On board ships then, all the cooks were black, mess stewards, all black, African-Americans, and they had volunteered. The reply from the engine room, and quote, you told those niggers we'd rather die, unquote. And they did. True story, it was the only time I ever heard my father use that word. 
And I still remember how ashamed he was to tell me that story. You keep being you, Colonel, signed Joe. I've had several letters like that of people pouring their hearts out. So I'd have to say, uh, in this case, Greg, this has been a most humbling experience for me. Sound, yeah, it sounds overwhelming, really, almost. Barney, one couple, a question for you on with the Hudson American Legion and the auxiliary. I'm sure, as you know, um, the adjutant with the American Legion, Mr. Garrison, had resigned from his leadership post, and Cindy Sukan resigned from her post as president of the American Legion Auxiliary in Hudson. Would you still, would you like to see the organizations continue? operating in Hudson, both of them? Absolutely. I happen to belong to an American Legion here in Pataskala, down here. I also am the featured speaker at the American Legion's Convention and Independence on the 11th of July, where they've asked if I would repeat my speech. Are you going to be doing that then? Yes, I am. I will be speaking with them. I will also be having an interview with the CEO from Progressive Insurance as part of their diversity uh, program. Have you been asked to give your speech another, to other organizations as well? I, I have, yes, indeed. CNN kept bugging the heck out of me. Phone calls, emails. I finally replied to CNN. I was, I was honored that they would want me to appear on their show. But I was afraid if I were to appear on CNN, their ratings would drop. I didn't say further than they have. I just said if I appeared, their ratings would drop. But, yes, I have have been uh, besieged by the news media from all over the country. I I even did a radio interview with the Canadian broadcast system. One question that came to mind, too, is if the Hudson American Legion wanted you to speak again at a program, a Veterans Day or Memorial Day program, would you be interested in doing that again? I would be honored to speak. Uh, the mayor of Hudson wants me to speak before council and give the whole speech uh, uninterrupted so that the village or the uh, <laughs> I go back to when it was the village when I lived there. Right. That the city council members would hear it. That's they they we have to worry work out. So what are the reactions I think you, you, you maybe before we started recording had mentioned about your uh, your your grandchildren, uh this this made you a hipster perhaps a little bit in their eyes? Well I Can't don't use the word hipster. hipster. <laughs> no, sure, but I mean I appeared on social media that I never knew existed. Uh apparently the younger generation uses something called the Reddit. And even the younger generation uses something called TikTok. And I was on those. And my youngest granddaughter, 16, down in Texas, said, Grandpa, you're the only one that has gotten their Democrats, Republicans, blacks and whites unified on one subject. So I thought that was quite a, quite an observation from the young kid. I might go so far as say you're a social media influencer. So and uh, and you were trending at many points uh, during those, those weeks after. Well, when I looked when I looked and, and pulled up the news and it had the listings of things, I was surprised to find I had more viewers 
than President Biden's Memorial Day speech. And I guess for several days, I, I, I dominated the news. We don't like to talk about it around our office, but, but Phil may have been the uh, king of the clubhouse uh, for all of Gannett uh, across the country, but, uh, you know, we don't want to get his ego any bigger than it already is. But it was a, uh, Well, I think, and, and I had news stations calling me things, and I just said, you saw what was printed and published in the Akron Beacon Journal article, correct? They said, yes, we did. And I said, everything that you read in that article is 100% accurate and true. I have no further comment. So I let them go with Phil's narrative. Glad to hear. <laughs> I, I feel like we're at a uh, drop-the-mic moment here. I mean, it, it can only go downhill, right? We, we've uh, So I thank you both for joining us today and, and this great conversation. And, and Barney, thank, thank you for, for – uh, Digging into the history and, and helping to uh, to educate us all, and, and Phil for your great reporting. So so thank you both for for joining us today. Thanks. Well, more importantly, Craig, it sparked your interest to do further investigation and validate what I had said. More work, right? We, we have more right, chapters, yeah. right. many more chapters, right? So thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. I understand that uh, there was a big three-page article in the Sunday paper about Hudson. That's true. It was. Amanda Garrett uh, did a nice, uh, you know, look at the, the city and kind of a little bit of history and, and how it's kind of become a symbol, you know, I say symbolic of the nation's kind of struggling with coming terms with its own history. So so it was a good article and yours, you're, you were a part of that. Well, what's interesting is I traveled out to Arizona uh, the last week and a half and I met people at motel lobbies. Uh, that recognized my voice and asked, are you that person on Memorial Day speech? And I had to admit, yes, indeed, I was. Same thing happened on a flight back from uh, uh, San Antonio last night. Total stranger. Are you that person? So, yeah, I got the fame uh, that I really didn't ask for. But more importantly, I got the message out. That's all the time we have for this edition of the Dow You Know Akron. As always, we thank you for listening, and we also thank our producer, B.J. Lisko. We encourage you to support local journalism by subscribing to Beacon Journal in either digital or print form. If you're already a subscriber, you're my hero, and you have our grateful thanks. Until next time, now you know Akron.